last week, what, the way we started this off in talking about each person mentioned, we talked about Abel. And for just a recap, Abel was Adam and Eve's son. And, you know, obviously you guys know the story. He was, he was killed by his brother. But something significant that it said was that his faith was attributed to his giving. And we talked about that last week and how your giving is a mirror, or not a mirror, but a window into your life and what your faith looks like. So as we move forward in Genesis today, we are talking, Genesis and Hebrews, I should say, we are talking about a man named Enoch. And so I want to turn real quick just to, just to cover who Enoch is. And so this is going to be up on the screen. It's Genesis chapter 5, verses 21 through 24. Let's go ahead and read that. I'll be reading out of the New Living Translation. Genesis 5, 21 through 24. It says, When Enoch was 65 years old, he became the father of Methuselah. After the birth of Methuselah, Enoch lived in close fellowship with God for another 300 years. And he had other sons and daughters. Enoch lived 365 years, walking in close fellowship with God. Then one day, he disappeared because God took him. So here we're reading about a man who was, he was the father of the oldest living person to ever walk on the face of the earth. He was the father of Methuselah. And here are the facts that we know. Let's just go over the facts of what we know about Enoch. He lived 365 years, which means at this time, guys, he wasn't old. For, for this time. This was before God had started really cursing mankind and men weren't living past 125 years old. And so Enoch lived 365 years. And we know that he walked in close fellowship with God. Hold on. My little buddy is coming to tell me something. He's going to the bathroom. Thank you, pal. Thank you, pal. Yeah, Drew, if you could hop back there. And then one day, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he just vanishes. He just vanishes, and, and God took him. So let's see real quick how the author of Hebrews talks about him. So I have a new little buddy behind the keyboard, and we are going to turn to Hebrews chapter 11, verses 5 through 6. Hebrews 11, verses 5 through 6, and let's go ahead and read. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him. For before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who who sincerely seek him. Praise God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for this day. And God, we just ask that, Lord, you will speak to everyone who is within earshot of my voice today. God, that they will sense and know 
that, Lord, you are real, you are here right now, and you are working amongst your people. Lord, let us see what faith looks like when we pursue you. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen, amen. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk today about three lessons we learn from Enoch. And so my computer buddies, they are tag-teaming. They're switching places right now. And Gabe is going to get that up on the screen for you. But there are three lessons of faith that we learn from Enoch. And the, the very first one we learn is how to please God. How to please God. Now, there is a big difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament in how we are going to go about pleasing God. Obviously, Enoch, he lived in Old Testament times, but this was before the law of Moses. So before God placed rules on man, what we can learn is about what pleased God at this time was Enoch walked in close fellowship with him. Now, fellowship is one of those words that Christians, especially young Christians, might hear, and they don't quite get it. They don't quite understand what is defined as fellowship? And I, I looked it up so you don't have to. Fellowship is defined as friendly association. Now, I don't know about you, but there are people I am friendly associated with, but I think we are talking about a different level when we are talking about a relationship with God. Because to have close fellowship seems to be more defined as a very personal walk. A very tight-knit walk. Now in the Old Testament, one way to earn favor with God was through animal sacrifice. Genesis 8, chapter 21, it was, that, that first sacrifice, it was described as a sweet-smelling aroma to God. And so what we know is God is satisfied in close relationship with sacrifice and obedience. Everyone here say sacrifice and obedience. Wow, you guys said that in unison. It sounded amazing. I didn't think you could do it, but you did. And I'm, I'm impressed. I'm proud. Now, Here's the thing in understanding sacrifice through our perspective and through an Old Testament perspective. See, if we were living in the Old Testament right now, you might be looking at your pets at home and wondering which one it's is time to slaughter. And if you don't have one, I, I have a couple. But thank God we do not live in the Old Testament times. You do not have to sacrifice an animal to God that day has been done away with. What we do instead, we look through, at life through the New Testament lens, and we know that we have one sacrifice that paid the price for all of mankind, and that is Jesus Christ. That you should say amen to. I want to read for you 1 John chapter 2, verse 2. 1 John 2, 2, it says, He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins. And not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. So guys, this doesn't just apply to just you, but it applies to everyone. 
Everyone that chooses to believe in Him, everyone that chooses to call on His name can be forgiven of their sins because Jesus paid the price for them. Now listen to how that pleases God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 15, it says, Our lives are a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. But this fragrance is perceived differently by those who are being saved and by those who are perishing. So catch this. What, what I want you to do is, what I, is to realize that if you claim Jesus as the one who was sacrificed for your sins, your life is all of a sudden a sweet-smelling aroma, a sweet-smelling fragrance to God because it, it is God who sent Jesus Christ for you and you are recognizing that his, his death, His blood, it covers your sin and all of a sudden God finds favor in you because of you recognizing the death of His Son. So if you want to please God today, You need to walk in close fellowship with him. But here's how you accomplish this. You accomplish this by reading the word, knowing that the word of God is an amazing love letter to you. It is not just some old 2,000-year-old script. It is so much more than that. It is this love letter that God spoke, and he had man put pen to paper, pen to parchment. inscribed his story down for you. He wants you to know it. He wants you to seal it to your heart. And see, here's the thing. Many, many today, they're saying, I just wish God would speak. I wish he would speak to me. He has. He has through his word. And he will speak to you more. He will speak to you in very personal ways. But we cannot neglect the word of God. We cannot neglect the Bible. The next thing is prayer. See, when you truly tap into prayer, and catch this, it's, to truly tap into prayer is to not let other things steal our focus. To not let other things distract us. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, over the past eight weeks now, I not only am preaching my message, but I'm controlling the Mevo at the same time. I can get distracted so easy. And here's the thing, I can preach to you, but the reality is my focus is also being directed to this, right? So you're, you're hearing me communicate to you. You're hearing me tell you these things, but know that not only am I thinking about what I'm going to say to you, but I'm thinking about the next step that I'm going to do on here. See, when we pray, we can do that too. See, our focus isn't just directed to God. Our focus is maybe what's for dinner. Our focus is maybe that fight that we got into that really needs resolved. Or our focus is, man, I got to be leaving for work soon. And we can go on and on and on with all these things that can steal our focus. But when you choose to truly look to God, shut out every distraction that you have, 
prayer becomes complete. It becomes one of those things that you are all of a sudden isolated, solely focusing on God. God knows it. And then he knows he is receiving all of your attention. See, here's the thing. Prayer should never feel burdensome. It should never feel burdensome. And if it does, you need to reevaluate your approach to prayer. I heard it once said, and I'm going to be honest, I said it quite a bit. I heard it once said by an evangelist, I hate to pray. Let's break this down for a second. We're, we're not looking at prayer right. Because we'd say, I hate to communicate with God. What? I hate to communicate with the creator of the universe? The God who also took time to make me? It sounds stupid when you put it in that frame or, or, or those words, but yet so many of us have uttered maybe that sentence, I hate to pray, or I'm not good at praying, or I'm uncomfortable with this idea of prayer. But guys, I am telling you, if you want to mirror your life like with what they're saying about Enoch here, you need to be able to make prayer not just a priority, but a desire. And prayer, it's not just about you making your requests known to God. See, as I speak, we should be desiring, and I think everyone would raise their hands to this, we desire a close relationship with God, but through prayer, it's one where we sit, we wait, and we not only speak, but we listen. And if you do that, God will speak to you. He'll pour into your life. You guys have heard me say this tons of times when I speak on prayer. God is not a drive through He's not a drive through You don't just go and give Him your order, pick it up and leave. He deserves better than that. He deserves your undivided attention. He truly does. He deserves to have your complete focus. See, that's what God wants from you, and that's what we should give him. So let's talk. What, what might that mean for you? It might require you to shut off the TV. It might require you to ditch the phone. Or, to stop making excuses for why you are so busy. I know many people that are busy. It doesn't mean they could change what's most important for God. Many of you have learned through this time that it's not always good to be busy. It's been a time to reflect. It's been a time to evaluate. It's been a time in waiting Summon rest. But God can have the forefront of your mind right now because you got nothing else to do. But that's what he deserves all the time. The forefront of your mind.
you know, as the things I mentioned, like TV, phone, all those things that we can shut off and not allow us to be distracted, we can walk away from. Here's the thing. In eternity, we can't take any of those things with us. But you can take a close relationship with God into eternity. Amen? You can do that. You can start those building blocks right now. And that is exactly, guys, that is exactly what Enoch had. He had that close relationship. Think about it in this, th- this perspective. God had such a close relationship with Enoch, but was jealous for so much more than what he currently had that he brought him to eternity early. He said, this this close-knit relationship that I have, it's not enough. I want more and I want it now. Because God saw the man that Enoch was and how much he desired to be with him. And he knew that is what they both wanted. So he just made it happen. Think about that, guys. There's not many people you can say that about. God also did it with Elijah. Still not many. When God looked down on him, it made him glad. Now, number two, the second thing, the second lesson we're going to talk about. There's also how to not please God. There are ways we don't please God. And I know that this section that I'm going to talk about, it's not going to yield a lot of amens. It's not going to get you excited. But here is the reality, folks. You cannot please God without faith. You can't do it. Honest question. Honest question that I want you to answer. Can you go to church, claim Christ, volunteer, do all those things, and not have faith? I think you can. I think you can go to church. I think you can volunteer. And I think your faith can be very lacking. See, here's the thing. Churches have been made. that, that There's a lot of churches out there. It's, it's a club. It's what it is. And so people come and be a part of a church because they can be a part of a body or a part of something that feels special. But here's the thing about that. That doesn't mean you have to have a walking relationship with God to do those things. You can do those without having a close relationship with God. Think about it this way. There are many people that passionately dedicate themselves to worthless things. Just as there are people who have treated church like a great hangout spot or places, a place where they can go with like-minded people, and yet they have no clue in what it means to trust God and in his provision. Now, i got to be honest with you. There's times, guys, where I am just as guilty of this as anyone else. Because if I looked over the pattern of my life, there are times where I have trusted in God for very big things. But there have been other small things in my life where I didn't trust God, and I absolutely panicked. 
I, I hit this button where I wasn't looking to God, but, and, and I, was, I wasn't giving God credit for anything, but I was counting everything as happenstance and just a way of life. And then what tends to happen with me, the pattern is, I recognize that I put more of my fate in the world than in God. You have had circumstances where your faith is put to the test. There are times where you have succeeded, and there's times where you have failed. Peter, a disciple who, he's someone that I admire. He wore his heart on his sleeve. Everyone always knew what he was thinking because that's just the kind of guy he was. And usually he did the things that no one else was willing to do. Well, in Matthew chapter 14, Jesus sent the disciples on ahead of him because he wanted to take time for himself to pray. And Jesus, catching up to them the only way that Jesus could, decided that he was going to walk on water to catch up with them. And as they saw this figure coming, they assumed it was a ghost. Because guys, what else walks on water? Right? So they assumed it was a ghost, and Jesus had to reassure them and say, no, 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 I am definitely not a ghost. And when, when it clicked with them and they realized exactly who it was, which one of the 12, go figure, was the first one to want to jump out of the boat and walk on water to Jesus? Peter, of course. But here's the thing. Peter jumps out. He's walking on the water. And he is only thinking about going to Jesus until he looks down. Wait, I'm not supposed to be doing this. This is improbable. And then it is at that moment he begins to sink because he took off his, his eyes off of Jesus and the purpose of why he had gotten on the water in the first place. And what we learn is in Scripture, anything is possible if a person believes. In Mark chapter 9, Jesus, he's surrounded by a crowd. And a member of the crowd spoke up saying that their son was demon-possessed. And this demon-possessed boy, he kept throwing himself into the fire. He kept falling on the ground and convulsing. And he'd foam at the mouth. He'd spit out utterances and he'd grind his teeth. And then he goes up to Jesus and he says, Heal him if you can. Heal him if you can. Jesus told the man in verse 23, he said, What do you mean, if I can? Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. Notice that Jesus, he did the healing as we read it further in this scripture, but he also demonstrated his frustration in this man's lack of faith. Here's the thing you need to learn about Christ. With Christ, it is not a matter of if. It is a matter of trusting that he is able. All the faith in the world 
The next thing I want to talk about. All the faith in the world is meaningless with disobedience. I've known people of great faith that I admire that find themselves often disobedient with their walk. You cannot please God, church, if your life is entrenched in sin. I'm going to say that again, and I really want you to catch it, because now all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But you cannot please God if your life is entrenched in sin. If you want to show God that you really don't know him at all, continue to claim your faith in Jesus Christ and keep on sinning. To me, that just proves you have no idea who God is. Titus chapter 1, verse 16. It says, Such people claim they know God, but they deny him by the way they live. They are detestable and disobedient, worthless for doing anything good. And I know you hear that, and I know, I know immediately these scriptures and talking about this, it can really sting because we know that all men sin and fall short of the glory of God, as I just said. But once we come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ and who he is, there is a particular pursuit that we should have in being righteous as he is righteous. You're going to sin along the way. But when it becomes purposeful, when it becomes a part of who you are, when it becomes excused or glossing over a certain part of Scripture to justify what you do, you can't please God. See, here's the thing, guys. It is denying the very reason Jesus Christ died. See, he died so you don't have to keep on sinning. It's not just about the fact that his blood covered your sin, but he died so you don't have to keep on sinning, and you don't have to be weighed down by that sin. And here's the thing, where, where we could maybe feel really insecure right now in this moment in realizing maybe that we're a little guilty. I do think, to a large degree, the church is at fault for this. The focus has been placed so much on the grace of God that we forget about his judgment. We forget about his wrath. And I'm going to say it again. A person who claims Christ but chooses disobedience to God makes a mockery of what Jesus died for. It's not what he died for. We have to be people that choose a repentant life a life that not only confesses sin, but desires to not sin anymore. A life that strives out for the life that Jesus led here on earth, saying that I want to be just like that. Church, to walk in obedience means we must accept everything God desires for our lives. Everything that he has 
not just pick and choose the things that make us feel good or the, the, the prayers that we want answered, but to say, God, you have it all, and I am in your service. You know, with the coronavirus over the past eight weeks now, you guys remember, of course, it wasn't that long ago, it feels like an eternity ago, that the laws and rules and expectations changed almost overnight. I, I remembered where I heard rumor of universities closing and not resuming, and I thought, you're crazy. There's no way. And then I, I was getting ready to go on a scout trip to the Dominican Republic and to Jamaica, and I'm sitting there having to weigh if I need to cancel my trip because of the way they're just shutting everything down in the airports. And what we've learned is, especially amongst different states, there are many gray areas to the new rules and the restrictions that were put on you over the past eight weeks. There were some things we knew we should follow and some things we knew we, we, we shouldn't. And then also there were people that completely disobeyed rules and nothing happened to them in other states where people disobeyed rules and they went to jail. In fact, there are several hundred churches in California today who are meeting to defy the governor's orders. We don't know what's going to happen. Now, I say all that to say that in this time right now, there are gray areas. It was pretty fuzzy a week and a half ago when the governor made her announcement because there, we knew there were 77 counties that were having restrictions lifted off of them and 22 that still had those restrictions that remained. And we were part of those 22. And it was like, can we meet in church or can't we? That was a really confusing th time. See, those were gray areas. Let me tell you something about God. Let me tell you something about the Holy Spirit. When we have the Holy Spirit, when you seek and are pursuing God, there's no gray areas. It's black and it's white. And there are many Christians today, what they're wanting to do, they're wanting to live in those gray areas of life, but you know what the Holy Spirit has convicted you of. Because, guys, I'm telling you, there are things the Holy Spirit has convicted me of that might not be sinful to you. This is stuff that is extra biblical. It is beyond Scripture. It is things that I myself in my life maybe have made a God in my life. Or maybe my anger wasn't so righteous and the Holy Spirit convicted me of that. And we can go on and on and on citing examples, but I am telling you, church, if you seek God and you seek his Holy Spirit, there are no gray areas. He wants you to live in black and white. Lastly, number three, there are rewards for those who sincerely seek him. Rewards for those who sincerely seek him. Let's talk about Enoch's reward, shall we? Can you imagine, just for a moment, walking so closely with God 
that he decides to just take you right up to heaven. I can't fathom that. I can't imagine that ever happening. But imagine the rewards because of this tight-knit relationship and this unprecedented thing that God had done at that time. Imagine the rewards waiting for Enoch when he got there. And all of this occurred because his faith was sincere, we learned in Hebrews chapter 11. Enoch pursued God solely out of wanting a relationship with him. No ulterior motives, nothing else to gain. And I choose to say that I want to walk with God in that same way because of him, because of who God is and because of what God has done, not because of where it will get me in this life. But just because I know how special God is, that's who we should desire to be. That's what we should desire to be. For no other reason than I get the opportunity to have a relationship with the God of the universe. Let's talk about our reward. I'm going to be ending this. Our reward comes in the form of following Jesus Christ. It comes in the form of following him. And I, I know there are times where we want something tangible as a result of following it after Jesus Christ. But here's the thing. You'll have many re rewards when you start placing your focus where it needs to be. I want to read for you Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 20. Matthew 6, 19 through 20. Let's read. It says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Where your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Let's talk about the most valuable thing right now. The most valuable thing on the face of this earth is a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now let's talk about the most valuable thing next to that. A soul that accepts Jesus Christ. That is the next most valuable thing. So you might be asking yourself today, how do I store up treasures in heaven? How can I possibly do that? First and foremost, it is with that relationship with him. It's solidifying that relationship that you have with God and discovering more of who he is through the power of his Holy Spirit and being used by him. We should not be satisfied until Christ is continually glorified and when people are coming to know him. Your life should aim to be about God's work, church. That should be your aim. It is because of Jesus Christ that you have access to God. I want you to catch this next thing I say very, very closely. There is nothing in and of yourself 
that is pleasing to God outside of Jesus Christ. You can try as hard as you want. It's only Christ that pleases God now and people who are in Christ because of Christ. It's not because of you. It's not because of what you have done. It is always going to be because of what he has done. So if you want to have a sincere pursuit that Enoch had, you have to discover Jesus. You have to discover Jesus. You have to follow out after him. And not just follow him. Seek to become like him. Step out in faith. Trust in God for the impossible. Trust him for healing. Trust him for miracles. Trust him for change in your life. See, it's because of Jesus that I have a hope in heaven. And I can call heaven home. Listen to this. I love this verse in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. It says, but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. And we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. I want to tell you what my favorite word is in that section of Scripture. Gabe, if you could put that back up on the screen, bud. My favorite word, but we are citizens. Citizens of heaven. Think about what it means to be a citizen. As a citizen of the United States, I have certain rights. And you guys know that I travel the world, and I I always know where the U.S. Embassy is wherever I travel. Because I know that once I am on their property, my rights are intact. If you claim Jesus Christ today, your rights as a citizen of heaven are intact. Every reward that you have is hinged upon a relationship with Jesus. And guys, to follow out after Jesus for who he truly is, it requires that sincere pursuit, a pursuit that is so much about God and not about yourself. It is because you recognize that you deserved to be on that cross, not Jesus Christ, but Jesus went up there because God loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you. He paid that price so you didn't have to. It is because of that that we should pursue God with all we have. It's not too late in your life to make everything about God. It doesn't have to be about yourself or other things anymore. It can be about God being in his will, following out what he has asked of you. And so church, you can choose to take the right 
steps. This is where you start. Turn from sin. Turn from sin. Start reading God's word. Store it in your heart. Don't read it as just a book, just words on a page, but realize that it is God's living word that can be active in your life today. Start praying. Start confessing. Start professing. These things... They are keys to a sincere relationship with him. And when it becomes sincere, that is a great building block for faith. Because God's going to start entrusting you with things. And as you're obedient, he's going to give you greater things, larger things. And church, that is when your faith will blossom and grow into something very beautiful. What I want to do for you today is I'm asking every head bow and make this a private moment with just you and God. And this is an opportunity for you today to ask yourself, Has this been a sincere pursuit? Have I given everything over to him? Have I trusted God with every part of my life? Have I truly followed out out after Christ the way I need to? And what I want to do is I want to just pray right now that the Holy Spirit starts speaking to people. Father God, I thank you for all these that are in this room, all those that are within the sound of my voice, that God, you are working on hearts right now. And Lord, I ask that your Holy Spirit just pour out. Lord, as we are open to your move, pour out truth. Pour out understanding of who we are and who we need to be for the kingdom of God. Lord, your word, it begs us to change. And so, God, as we are sitting here right now, we are open to the needed change that has to happen in our lives. So, God, I pray. Lord, may this information be downloaded so we can recognize what might be holding us back from you. If you're here right now, you have an opportunity to declare that today is the day of sincere pursuit. Starting today and moving forward is the day of sincere pursuit. And if that is you, what I'd ask you to do is I'd ask you to look at me. It starts by reprioritizing everything and saying, God, you being convenient for me is not good enough. Our God is not a God of convenience. 
in the end, he's going to have the final say over everything. It's about you surrendering your will. You giving everything to him. And it starts today. And guys, I don't know about you, but I want to be dogmatic about who I need to be going forward. You should be deciding today, I'm going to be dogmatic about the decisions I make. I'm going to be dogmatic about the time that I spend with God and the time that I spend with other things that are meaningless. Understand, guys, this isn't a standard that you should hold to everyone else to. This is a standard for your own life. This is a moment to only look in the mirror. And those that looked at me, I want you to know my eyes are wide open looking right back at you. I am responding to the call. Where you're seated, raise your hands to God. Heavenly Father, Lord, you know where we're at. And God, you know where we need to be. Lord, I couldn't imagine my name being mentioned in a book and a chapter like Hebrews chapter 11. I can't imagine it, God. I, I don't feel like I measure up. But Lord, I am only supposed to look to you and your son, Jesus Christ. And God, as you see all these here, that have their hands raised to you. And Lord, they are declaring that they need your son. Lord, we, we have not been completely sincere. We have not been completely honest with our relationship. God, you there have been times where you have been that God of convenience in our eyes. Lord, we know that's not who you really are. And God, we pray for a complete corrected approach to our behavior, to how we approach you. And God, may you forgive us right now, Father. Lord, may forgiveness reign in this place. That, God, we recognize today how much we truly need you compared to where we have been spending our attention and focus. Lord, I pray that this feeling that we have stirring up inside us doesn't go away. Lord, it might be uncomfortable, but it is a reminder of where we've been and where we need to keep going. Lord, I do pray, though, that each and every person in this room, with each step they make, Lord, they have greater resolve to keep on going because they sense and know how you're at work and what you're doing. I thank you so much, Father. I praise you, God. You are so good. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen, amen.